This is How's the Bites. I'm Ken Root. This is a weekly podcast about life on the Upper Mississippi, specifically Lock and Dam 10, which has pools 10 above it and 11 below it. We're in Northeast Iowa. And joining me is Bob Urban, who is the owner of Murray Outdoors, easy to find under the big walleye on the south end of Guttenberg. Bob, how are you? Doing well, Ken. Uh, Friday morning, September 1st. Did want to mention real quick, Ken, uh, chasing trophies uh, for August. Mr. Carter Overbrockling, we just took his picture, and he is the winner of uh, our chasing trophies for the $50 gift certificate. And I'll post that on Facebook here today, too. So he wins 50 bucks with his big northern. Um, he's from Colesburg, Edgewood area. Oh, great. Northern Pike in August. Is that unusual? Uh, no. No, I don't know if he, he might have caught this one earlier. You can send us any yeah. pictures for the year. But, yeah. uh, no, northerns are going, too. They're chasing a lot of bait fish out there in the, the shallows, just fish top water, just like you would uh, largemouth bass. And they're hitting a lot of feet out there for them. Have you noticed the coolness in the mornings this week? Kind of a hint of fall, but yet it's very dry. I'm not high on that as an ag guy. And uh, we're expecting hot days for the next week. So did you get out while the weather was good this week and do some fishing? I did. People come into the store and they were just so excited for these cool days. It's like so refreshing and people are excited. And then we're going right back to hot again this weekend again, Ken. So um, I went out and got some fish. Yeah, uh, just trying to learn um, the river a little bit better. Uh, I do a lot of fishing elsewhere and uh, trying some lures that guys are using in the store, doing some stuff. And if you want to talk about that, Ken, we can go into detail about my extravag- fishing extravaganzas this week. Well, last weekend I came in with uh, my neighbor, Mark Mather, and his two grandsons and their daddy, Brandon. And I didn't know whether you were going fishing or going to enter the Olympics in pole vaulting because you had a rod that was about 16 feet long, I think. Did you use that this week? I did. So we've been going out at night. Um, Still got a few hours when we close. I've got the house here I can stay in now, and then the boat is always going to be here. So I can sneak out try to do some stuff i think we were pan fishing i was going for crappies we were getting too close to the brush pile so i have a few trolling rods but i don't have um a 12 footer this was a 12 footer um made by denali it's a little stiff it's about an 80 dollar rod but i wanted something to reach into those brush piles with so i'm not spooking the fish because i was using my um ultralight that's a five footer and if you get your boat too close to those piles it can spook some of the crappies so yeah i did get to use that monday i went out all day fished north of the dam bussy lake area and the channels in between there caught anything and everything ken just like we were talking about on the show um i was drop shotting on that long pole i just used a haley lure or a jig and minnow it's a chain minnow some people call them pilkies. Some people call them a shucks lure. It's just companies that made them. But I used use that. It's a it's a chain, and it's, I just put some red worms on there. Red worms are going to be your best bet right now. They're going after them. Um, sheephead, bluegills, perch. I had a few crappies. I had smallies were going pretty good on minnows. So it was just it was just nice to get out and fish that. I did drop shot on my ultralight or my light rod while I was fishing the long one, 
And a drop shot, Ken, is just, I've been using these new BMC spin shot hooks. They've got a swivel on them. And then the hook is on the the middle of it. So you don't have to do anything. You just tie these two hooks, almost like a crappie rig that our boy Benny talked about. Um, but, but very simple inline, doesn't get tangled up. And then you can use that drop shot sinker um, and adjust your depth. And that's what's been really, really big. Uh, ran out of worms. I have thousands and thousands of worms, and I'm sitting in the boat with no red worms because uh, it was a lot of sorting, a lot of little ones, a lot of big ones. So what you mean is of the worms you took with you, you didn't take enough. Exactly. Now I know why people are coming in buying two and three, three packs of red worms. Never really understood that, but now I do. Tell you actually live it, Ken. Get out there and fish. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah, I relate to that. There's a theory can only go so far. You've got to get into the lab, so to speak, or out into the real world. I uh, talked with the maker of JNN Dipworms this week. We have a feature with him a little bit later on. Uh, John Matthews, uh, my typewriter kept calling him Yon, and I'm sorry about that with you and I, but I didn't make the mistake with him. He's a great story here um, for catfish that uh, he's a second generation of making these dip worms, not the bait, but the actual worms themselves. And some of your guys that are the professional fishermen there, Catfish Al comes to mind, they think they're pretty good to use. Yeah, that's probably our number one seller in the store is J&N Dipworm um, Surgical Tubing. And, and John uh, took it over from his dad. Uh, I think when I got into the business 2009, 2010, when I started buying with him, I, I'm pretty sure it was like the transition. I think Dad was retiring, and and John was coming on board and doing that as well. So, do you have anything else on the status of the fishing now, or what you would think people could catch if they go next week? Yeah, it's it's the bites on Karen, um, just from what I could prove what the guys are coming in and saying. But until you actually see it with your own eyes, get out and test. That it's just going to be a really good fall bite. There's tons of bait fish. I saw schools of shad all over. Um, a lot of lot of uh, fry, whether it was bluegill fry. I saw some uh, gar fry. Just just a lot of bait fish. They're feeding um, smallmouth. They're feeding. You're catching them. They're they're full of of bait fish. Uh, everything's looking really healthy, and it should be a should be a really good fall. Just a low water, Ken. We just got to still watch out for that. That's going to be like that for a while, and and these dry conditions are just 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 crazy, really, for this time of year. It's it's a lack of rain. Let's turn our attention to one other thing. Now we're crossing into September, and you are not just a store that sells supplies for fishing. Uh, we have hunting seasons popping up beginning today, the first of September. Oh my gosh, yes, forgot to mention all that stuff. We've been busy selling the licenses, Ken. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm here looking at our sheet right now. Uh, we have a lot of seasons coming up. We've got teal season coming up. We've got, uh, a lot of people going to be squirrel hunting, but I was telling people that they're going to have to, uh, keep them cold. Cause it's going to be a, it's a warm, uh, it's going to be a warm, warm weekend for all that stuff. I looked it up and you cannot teal hunt or duck hunt in any form wearing short pants. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's in the regs. It's down near the bottom, but it's in there. 
Because, you know, it's supposed to be cool or cold. Lucas Dever and I were talking about this. He's a conservation officer for DNR. And uh, he also mentioned that dove season starts today, and then teal season starts to, uh, on Saturday. Both of those are migratory birds. So make sure that you follow the rules for that. And Bob has your licenses. Can you sell duck stamps there as well? Yeah, so we have the, so you need the, the state migratory bird fee hunting license, and then you need the, the duck stamp, the federal duck stamp. We don't actually have the actual stamp. The post office has that. We have the 45-day temporary. Um, that's a state will issue you for the federal government. Mm-hmm. And then that'll come, I believe it comes in the mail or whatever, but it's a temporary e-tag, they call it. We can sell to you here at the store. Otherwise, any post office has them. I tried to teal hunt uh, many years ago, and I realized that but by the time I recognized what they were, they were gone. Um, I, I, had no, I had no chance. And on dove, they're nice. In fact, I've har- harvested dove, and the dove breast, uh, wrap a piece of bacon around it, uh, cook it on an open fire. Uh, it's pretty darn good stuff if you're camping out overnight. That's the way we had it. But the third of the seasons now is squirrel season. And a lot of people look at squirrels as either disgusting little rodents uh, or as uh, beautiful acrobatic animals that run in the trees and across the power lines. But when I was growing up, we ate squirrel, and I had no hesitancy to do so as long as it's fried. I'm not sure I'm big on stewed squirrel, but um, fried squirrel with gravy is a pretty darn good meal, especially breakfast. You're ringing up stuff for people, I can tell. Uh, but squirrels, uh, squirrel is, uh, is a little difficult to hunt because they're smarter than you are. If you're standing below them, unless you've got two people and the best way that we hunted squirrels when I was a little boy was my dad had a 22 rifle and, uh, we would go over and, uh, there were pecan trees and others that he knew that there would be squirrels in and we would, uh, sit down. And we would just wait a little while until we saw a squirrel appear. And then he would send me around the tree making noise, which I was really good at. And then he would shoot the squirrel who would get on the opposite side of the tree from me, failing to know that he was there. And we'd drop about three of those out and uh, put them on our belts and look cool. And then we'd head back to the house and dad, uh, was good at skinning things and, uh, he would skin out those squirrels and then he'd take them in and mom would cut them up and fry them. Uh, and she was big at frying with uh, lard and, uh, and then making gravy. And I tell you, they were pretty tasty, especially the younger ones. I hear a lot of guys have different recipes and stuff for them. There's not a lot of people that do it anymore, Ken. There's, I would say over the years, it's probably died down a little bit. I think part of it is that we don't have to harvest those animals anymore. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think the end of poaching is the proof that we don't have people who are destitute out there. A squirrel is a limited amount of meat. Uh, and uh, probably there are people... Uh, not that they're bleeding hearts, but they just can't imagine you eating a squirrel. So I think that has pretty much uh, cut down the number of people that do. But I can tell you, they're pretty tasty. What, what about Hawkeye football? Would that, would that cut into squirrel hunting maybe? 
Well, it can. If you had to pick between the two and you were a rabbit Hawkeye fan, I suppose you would only take off, you know, half a day. But the Hawkeyes don't uh, play every day. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Iowa State fan. You know, I, I'm not anti-Hawkeyes. And Caitlin Clark really put them on the map this year at girls basketball. Um, but there's so many people that are big-time Hawkeye fans that never went to school there. Nope. It's our number one competition on the weekends, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Got to watch the average Hawkeyes. You got to watch the average Hawkeyes. <laughs> Careful. Careful. You'll, you'll damage your business doing that because they don't forget. You know, they, they get offended easily. I know. Uh, I'm offended by how much this guy gets paid to just be average. Well, when you are at a state school, you have to fight for any respect. But when you are at the big school, uh, it's a different story. But I can tell you that, of course, I, I had to witness OU being what the Hawkeyes are here in Iowa. And uh, when OU got down on a coach, they got rid of him. But, um, you know, in Iowa, they haven't really gone through that in the, in the, time, in the last 20 years that I know of. But it's more about the experience. It's really not the, you know what I mean? That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not just going to the game, but actually the, the groups that you have together. All right, we've talked enough about football. Lucas Dever and uh, John Matthews are going to fill us in. Uh, John on his uh, J&N dip worms. And a very interesting entrepreneurial story. And Lucas is such a wonderful guy to give you information and enthusiastically is out there. And I believe if you got to meet a game ranger, he is about as good as you're going to get. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I hadn't talked to him for a few weeks, but what he's been up to, but I'd, I'd like to hear from him. I meant you meet a game ranger in a situation where that you have broken the law, um, which I hope no one does. So abide by these rules. If I'm in trouble, I'd like Luke to be the one investigating my my stuff because he's he would he's fair he's firm but fair have a good week bob take care and may you get some business at uh, murray outdoors on the south end of guttenberg under the big walleye they've got all you need for fishing and most everything you need for hunting thanks ken we'll be going out after work too and seeing if we can get some fish as well Lucas Dever, we are getting into the first of the fall bird seasons uh, and a few last fall mammal season. What is ahead of us here as we move into the month of September? Well, with September comes uh, kind of the kickoff to fall, as most sportsmen and women kind of think about. You know, we get dove season starts on the first here Friday, so everybody will kind of go to the field, even though the the weather might not be cooperating with us. It looks like we're in for a hot stretch here coming up, but there's plenty of doves around. If you can find a, a local sunflower field or a chopped corn field, I know those are can be very good too. But, yeah, the there's plenty of birds around from what I'm seeing and uh, kind of looking forward to kicking off the fall with that. So to hunt doves, you just need a, a hunting license and a habitat fee. Migratory bird hunters are required to register with HIP. Uh, you know, if you're a duck hunter or anything, they always used to ask you, you know, how many ducks, how many geese, how many brant, snipe, what did you kill? That's now available to do online or on the app. 
but it needs to be done before you go to the field, especially for the waterfowl hunters. Five questions, it's super easy. In addition to that, they would also need a plug in their guns uh, if their gun is capable of holding more than three shells. Um, but, yeah, other than that, uh, you know, 15 doves apiece uh, is the limit on those. Kind of be cognizant of what you're shooting at. You know, the doves are fast flyers, and it can get pretty hectic. A lot of action, which that's what a lot of people like. So uh, just know know your target and what's beyond it. We've gone through your, uh, you can uh, sow it, uh, you can mow it, but you can't throw it. So uh, does that mean that uh, you have to make sure you haven't got any feed out there that you put out for that uh, those birds before you hunt? Dubs fall under the federal migratory bird classification, and you can't bait them. Now, however, like if I planted a sunflower field and I mowed that, that's fine for doves, but I can't hunt waterfowl over that same field area. Um, okay. And it, it's it's a federal rule. The feds, feds have all kinds of different stuff. It's, you know, almost like a foreign language on, on some things. It's like you scratch your head, well, why is that okay and this isn't? Well, tell me about um, the first of the duck season, uh, the teal season coming up. A few years ago, we implemented a special September teal season. Uh, it doesn't count against the, the number of days we get for our waterfowl season, uh, but it allows hunters additional days to pursue teal. You must be aware, you know, obviously you must be able to identify teal in flight, you know, because you don't want to be shooting wood ducks or you don't want to be shooting mallards or shovelers as opposed to, to the teal that are flying, because teal are the only thing you can shoot. And that would be green-winged teal, blue-winged teal, and cinnamon teal, which are the three teal that we would have around. And then the shooting hours vary a little bit on the teal season. Shooting hours are sunrise to sunset, not a half an hour before sunrise. And the reason for that is, you know, so it's light enough that you can identify the birds that are, are flying around you. Teal are, are quick, and they're kind of like the doves. They're they like the those shallow marshy areas or sheet waters. Uh, if you have any areas up there with a lot of vegetation on the river in the backwaters, some lotus pads, you know, they love being around in those. And just like doves, they, they give you a lot of opportunity at shooting. So it can be a lot of fun for, for people looking to warm up their, you know, their, their bird shooting skills. So, so the field season runs from September 1st until September 16th. And the daily limit uh, is six for, for those uh, in any combination. It can be six blue wings or six green wings. We have, we have squirrel season opening up, too. If you're more of a not, a not a bird hunter, you like to head to the woods, there's still a, a fair number of guys that like to head out there and, and shoot a few squirrels to throw in the crock pot. And uh, that kicks off on the 2nd uh, of September, so Saturday. And the limit on that is six per day. The only thing I would tell anybody going to the woods or, or going out on the water or to a dove field, just kind of know your surroundings. You know, there might be other people in camouflage around you. So just kind of try and be safe and let's have a, a safe and successful hunting season. One more question, Lucas, on the, uh, on the squirrel hunting. Does it have to be a... Uh, a rifle? Can it be a shotgun? What can you use to shoot squirrels with? Yeah, you can use a you can use a four ten. You could use a 
12 or 20 gauge. I think a rifle is probably, you know, a 22 rifle or 17 is the most popular because you have one hole and usually no bird shot to, to mess with when you're eating them. Uh, but there are still guys that will use those. On the ducks, you have to have a federal duck stamp as well as a license. A duck hunter would need a hunting license, a habitat fee, an Iowa State migratory fee, and then a federal duck stamp with them. And then on top of that, you know, the gun can't be capable of holding more than three shells, so it would need a duck plug in it uh, if it, you know, could hold up to five or something like that. If you're going in a boat, obviously you need your boating safety equipment, you know, life jackets, fire extinguisher, if it's, you know, if you need that, uh, horn or whistle, throwable, all those things. Well, Lucas Everett, thank you very much for providing this information to us, and uh, we wish everybody a safe time out hunting as we move into September. Yeah, sounds good. I'm talking with John Matthews, who is uh, the owner of JNN Dipworm. How long have you been making uh, these dipworms? And, of course, these are the worms that people are using for catfishing and spoken highly of by Catfish Owl at uh, our store there in Guttenberg. When did you get started, and how are you doing in a business like this? My wife and I bought the business from my parents in 2012. They wanted to retire. They started in the early 80s. They're not exactly sure when they actually started it. Dad was tired of the molded rubber dipworm you could buy and decided to make his own and started out fishing all his buddies. And one thing led to another, and he started making them. And Ron Geary with GNS Cheese Bait mm-hmm. was one of Dad's good fishing buddies. And Ron decided that if Dad gave him some of the some of the worms, he'd he'd send them out with the cheese bait as uh, samples and let the other bait shops in the area try them out. And they caught on, and before you knew it, he was making them uh, full time every every chance he got. He still worked at uh, Northwestern Steel and Wire, so he was doing them in his spare time, and Mom would assemble them and. Uh, after 30-some years of them doing that, they decided to sell it, and we bought it from them, and we've been doing that, since, like I said, since 2012. Well, you sound like an entrepreneur, a person who's willing to uh, work hard at something and believe that you can make a go of it. Um, and I'm kind of guessing you've got another job as well. Is that right? Yes, I still I still work a day job. I put 40 hours a week in at a, a local machine shop, and uh, that actually paid some dividends. I've, I helped dad make some, uh, some, uh, equipment that sped up his process quite a bit. Uh, I made a machine that made him the tube and he didn't like it cause it was too fast. He said he had too much spare time on his hands. So he went back to making them by hand, you know, go figure. I told him yeah, he could well. just go fishing more, but mom didn't like that idea. So, <laughs> Oh, that's cute. Well, you uh, you probably uh, utilized that technology when you took over then, didn't you? Oh, definitely. So he he went from making a uh, dip worm in probably right around a minute, and I can make that same worm in two seconds, literally two wow. seconds. 
So that that's how much I sped it up. But I mean, he he that was funny when he said it, it made the worms too fast. And Mom said, "Well, you're not going fishing anymore, and you already are." So he went back to just making them the old-fashioned way, the way without the technology side of it. And he was happy, and she was happy, and that's where that was. Well, tell me what your best selling point is. You think on these dip worms that you make. Um, the tube that I have is black. It's about two and a half inches, maybe, with a treble hook, and then it's already got the line through it that can be hooked up. Um, looks like that takes some, not only manufacturing, but assembly as well. Why did you arrive at uh, this size and uh, this method of making them? That was all back on Dad. He he always called it research and development when he'd go fishing. So he tried in different lengths and and settled on that length the tube was enough any more was a waste any less wasn't enough it's all about how much cheese bait you can get gobbed on there so uh and the hook size was trial and error uh the length of line was trial and error the weight of the line was trial and error so there was a lot of a lot of dad fishing with these and his buddies fishing with them and feedback and i haven't changed anything since uh it's probably been that way for 25 or, or so years. It's been this way, and it just works. So uh, the tube itself is, is durable. Um, you're literally going to lose the thing before you wear it out. You'll get snagged on something, or the line will get a nick in it, and your line will break, something like that, uh, before you wear it out. So that's the the main thing. The other molded worms we used to use for cheese bait way back you know 30 some years ago was uh they wear out you, you could actually wear one out in a day and have to throw it away and get another one i have talked to uh, some of the hotshot fishermen who use these and they do say they do one thing before they start using them they get a little bit of lubricant off of them or they clean them up a little bit to where that the cheese bait sticks to them a little better is that a logical statement for them to make we don't put anything on the tube i i use the tube right out of the box as it comes from me when i take them out and and fish with them i fish with them right as i put them in the package i mean it, i don't put anything on them if they're doing that that's uh that's like fisherman specific everybody has uh, every fisherman's different they have different beliefs and different so we don't put anything on the tube, and I don't have to put anything on there to make the tube. So um, that's just every fisherman's belief there. If that's what they believe, that's what they believe. Well, tell me uh, your fishing habits, John. Do you fish much? These days I don't. I'm pretty busy with the day job and J&N. Uh, the wife, she's a big part of J&N. She, she does all the assembly. I make the tube and tie, tie hooks. My sister helps with the tying of the hooks, which is a big part of JNN. So I've been using the, the JNN dip worm, like I said, for, for going on 30 years now. And I've used other worms. It just, I've never found anything that worked better. And I might be biased there since, you know, it started with dad and I helped him with some of the early designs and ideas and kind of the way it worked out. And I'm right now, like I said, I'm busy with, my day job, and this is our busy season during the warmer months. No time really to get out and fish. 
I do enjoy getting out on the weekend and you know, every now and then. Tell me, John, uh, what you recommend to be able to do the best job when you dip this into the bait to get the bait to penetrate and get inside the tube and coat the tube as well. What would you recommend that people use to be able to do that job? Really, it's the consistency of the bait uh, does that. So uh, we always tell people you want that bait to be like a really thick milkshake or or like mashed potatoes where they stick real good. It doesn't really matter what dip bait you use. Um, there's different methods to make the bait stick like that. Uh, Dad used cornstarch if it was too thin, and you thicken it up with cornstarch because it wouldn't get clumpy. The cheese bait, you want it to be kind of smooth. If it gets too thick, Dad would just dip a little water out of the river and thin it down a little bit knowing that the water would evaporate out and it would thicken back up again if you got it too thin. So I mean, it's all like a trial and error. Um, so it's really the consistency of the bait that makes it stick and penetrate inside the tube. The tube being hollow helps hold the bait and hold more bait, so it takes a little long for it, longer for it to wash off. And that's what you really want. You want it to chum off of there and float downstream and draw those catfish up to your bait. I'm talking with John Matthews, who is uh, the owner of JNN Dipworm. He's already given credit to his parents, his wife, his sister. How far, how wide do you distribute your bait that you know of? Um, actually, literally coast to coast. I have California and West Virginia. I've shipped a couple orders to South Carolina, Alabama, Florida. Minnesota. I mean, it's, it's border to border. Well, it looks like quite a business. Uh, can I ask you, uh, what about when you retire from this? Uh, what would you like to see moving forward? I'd like to go fishing a little more, actually. <laughs> I actually was referring to the business rather than you. <laughs> I just hope that if we, if we decide to, to sell JNN to somebody that would, uh, would carry on and keep it going. It is, it is pretty popular around here, and uh, it's hard to it's hard to find something else that is better than this. There's probably some things out there that I haven't experienced that, you know, everybody thinks that their product is better than the next guy's. So I just haven't seen any that are better than than what we do. So this weekend it's going to get hot again here, and the catfishing. Uh, uh, has been good this summer. Um, I We had a 16-pound channel cat a while back that was reported in. So I'm going to take these out and give them a try in my field tester mode, and I'll report back to Bob in a week. And, John, we very much appreciate you from JNN Dipworm talking to us, telling us your story, and especially for a product that you provided to fishermen for two generations. Well, thank you very much. Be sure and visit... Murray Outdoors on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye. They've got all your fishing needs, a lot of ammo supplies, many things for hunters as well as just ammo. And remember, you're always welcome to come in and visit. Purchases optional. <laughs>